Hello and welcome to the podcast edition of Scripps 5 Must Know Things. This episode for the business week ended 29th September 2023. This is Ian Haydock. This time, major Q4 catalysts, Verona's COPD contender, Alpha Sigma acquires Intercept, more setbacks for Keytruda-Lenvima combo, and new pressures on China IPOs. What will the final season of the year bring for Biopharma? Scripps' Elizabeth Cairns compiles the major clinical readouts that are on the way, and what companies, including Sanofi, Novartis and AstraZeneca, stand to gain or lose. The article considers 10 products with highly significant clinical readouts coming in the final months of the year and was constructed using Biomed Tracker to identify products with top-line clinical readouts from potentially pivotal trials due in the fourth quarter. The data were then ranked using the assets forecast 2028 sales according to Evaluate Farmers' sell-side consensus data and the 10 with the highest forecasts were selected. Of all the products identified, Cytokinetics Afikamten carries by far the highest expectations for sales five years hence, with sell-side analysts expecting it to cross into blockbuster territory in 2027. Only one product is approved for the rare condition Afikamten is designed to treat, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. This is Bristol Myers Squibb's Camzios, which like Afikamten is a cardiac myosin inhibitor. Analysts from Truist Securities in a note dated 10th September wrote that they believed that the Sequoia HCM trial was likely to show Afikamten to be comparable to Camzios on efficacy with potential for better safety. But Cytokinetics is way behind Bristol. Camzios was launched in 2022 and has 2028 sales forecasts of $1.9 billion in hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. Still, Afikamten is unpartnered. Should the pivotal Sequoia trial be top-lined a hit, Cytokinetics can expect interested parties to make themselves known, and if enough marketing muscle can be brought to bear, maybe some ground can be made up. Corsept Therapeutics is also awaiting vital data in a rare disease. Currently, the group has the biggest-selling Cushing's disease therapy, Corlim, but this was first approved in 2012, and sales are forecast to start dwindling soon. Corsept is thus banking on its next-generation version, Rela Corilant, which, like Corlim, achieves its effect by competing with cortisol at the glucocorticoid receptor. Unlike Corlim, Rela Corilant does not bind to the progesterone receptor and so does not cause progesterone receptor-mediated side effects, including termination of pregnancy, endometrial thickening and vaginal bleeding. The company also says that relicorilant has no effects on the heart's QT interval, meaning it could become the only drug in Cushing's syndrome that does not have this side effect. Two phase 3 trials are ongoing in endogenous Cushing's disease and cortisol-secreting adrenal adenomas or hyperplasia and are on track to report top-line data towards the end of 2023 or in the first quarter of 2024. The other expected readouts are too extensive to cover here, but also include Sanofi's multiple sclerosis candidate, tolibrutinib, and Desifera Pharmaceuticals' Vimceltinib in the rare disorder, tenosynovial giant cell tumour. See the article in full for all of the details.
Having delivered a submission for enzifentrine to the desks of US regulators, Verona Pharma is now putting in place a strategy designed to give its closely watched chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, or COPD drug, the best chance of a strong launch. Earlier this month, the US FDA accepted for review the UK company's filing seeking approval of enzifentrine for the maintenance treatment of patients with COPD, Kevin Grogan writes. The NDA included efficacy and safety data from the two Phase 3 enhanced trials in which the inhaled first-in-class selective dual inhibitor of PDE3 and 4 demonstrated improvements in lung function and substantially reduced the rate and risk of COPD exacerbations. The FDA has assigned a target action date of 26 June next year and Verona noted that the agency was not currently planning to hold an advisory committee meeting to discuss the application. CEO David Zaccardelli said that enzifentrine, if approved, would be the first novel mechanism available for the maintenance treatment of COPD in more than 10 years, and we believe its bronchodilator and non-steroidal anti-inflammatory activity has the potential to change the treatment paradigm. But the challenge facing Verona's management is to shape the market and set up the channel and distribution pathways while engaging in payer discussions. Analysts at Jefferies issued a note on 23rd September saying that we expect a smooth FDA review process and think an approval by June 26 is 90% plus likely, adding that the drug could ultimately fetch $1 billion in peak sales due to its strong efficacy, clean safety and novel PDE3-4 mechanism, the last of which allows enzifentrine to be combined with existing drugs. Key element to the success of the launch will be gaining reimbursement in the US, initially under the Medicare Part B channel, and secondarily Part D, which is actually a tried-and-true path for nebulized products, the analyst said. Part B generally pays for drugs that a person receives at a doctor's office, hospital or infusion centre, while Part D pays for most at-home medications. The Jeffries team noted that currently Part D patients face insurance hurdles with branded inhalers, whereas Part B could allow for premium pricing plus better coverage, yielding a lower price point to patients. After discussions with the firm, the analysts said that Verona expected 60% of patients to be covered by Part B with $0 copays occurring potentially 80% of the time, and to us, a lower price would ensure higher compliance, potentially driving efficacy and more revenue to Verona. Intercept Pharmaceuticals has found itself a suitor from across the Atlantic in the form of Alpha Sigma, as that company has put down $19 per share to acquire a biotech that saw a major setback in June as US regulators rejected its candidate for non-alcoholic steatohepatitis, or NASH. Bologna, Italy-based Alpha Sigma, said on 26th September that the companies had agreed to the buyout, which Alpha Sigma said would expand its gastrointestinal and hepatology portfolio and presence in the US market, which at the moment remains relatively small, Alaric Diamond writes. Based on the 25th September share price and market cap, Alpha Sigma's $19 per share offer would come out to about $794 million, though the companies did not specifically state the total acquisition cost. The move comes around three months after Intercept called it quits for the FXR agonist obeticholic acid in pre-serotic NASH, 
following its second complete response letter from the US FDA for the drug in that indication, which Intercept announced on 22nd June, and focusing its efforts instead on primary biliary cholangitis, which the drug is approved and on the market for as Ocoliva. Intercept said in a US SEC filing related to the Alpha Sigma acquisition that Ocoliva generated $152 million in revenue in the first half of 2023. Intercept is further developing OCA combined with bezafibrate in PBC, and that program is in Phase 2. A next-generation FXR agonist, INT787, is also in Phase 2 for severe alcohol-associated hepatitis. Alpha Sigma's decision to buy Intercept shows a clear interest in expanding the scope of its own business in terms of indications as well as geographically. Currently, its US product line remains limited to a folate product for expectant mothers and medical foods for patients with depression, cognitive impairment and diabetic nerve damage, as well as bulk ingredient and contract manufacturing businesses. Merkinco and Azi added two more trials to a string of failures this year for their program to develop the PD-1 inhibitor Keytruda in combination with the multiple receptor kinase inhibitor Lenvima, this time in non-small cell lung cancer. The two firms said on 22nd September that the Phase 3 LEAP-006 and LEAP-008 studies had not met their dual primary endpoints of overall survival and progression-free survival, Alaric Diamond writes. LEAP-006 compared Keytruda, Lenvima, Pemetrexed and platinum-containing chemotherapy against Keytruda, Pemetrexed and platinum chemotherapy in first-line metastatic non-squamous NSCLC patients who have confirmation that therapies directed at EGFR, ALK or ROS1 are not indicated. LEAP-008 tested Keytruda Lenvima docetaxel in second-line NSCLC patients who had progressed on or after platinum-containing chemotherapy and one prior PD-1 or PD-L1 checkpoint inhibitor and had confirmation that EGFR, ALK or ROS1-directed therapies were not indicated. The study's final analyses showed no improvement in OS, while prior interim analyses had also not shown statistically significant improvements in either the PFS co-primary endpoint or the key secondary endpoint of objective response rate. Merck told Scrip that we continue to be encouraged by the potential of Keytruda plus Lenvima and are evaluating the combination through the LEAP program with multiple registration-enabling trials across multiple tumour types. So far, the combination has managed to rack up a couple of indications in renal cell carcinoma and endometrial carcinoma that is mismatch repair proficient or not microsatellite instability high. And that's on top of Keytruda's long and growing list of approved indications that have made it the leader among PD-1 and PD-L1 checkpoint inhibitor drugs. Nevertheless, efforts to expand Keytruda lemvima beyond RCC and PMMR, non-MSIH endometrial cancer, have not necessarily gone as planned. For instance, in April, the two partners announced that the Independent Data Monitoring Committee for the LEAP-003 trial in first-line unresectable or metastatic melanoma recommended the study's discontinuation based on an interim analysis showing the combination did not improve OS compared with Keytruda and placebo 
despite an earlier analysis showing it improved PFS. Finally, China's top securities regulator has confirmed a recent slowdown in the review of initial public offering applications to help stabilize the domestic stock market, making the go-public process for Chinese biotechs more unpredictable. Dexter Yan writes, the most recent tightening of the IPO process is planned to maintain the stable operation of the stock market, the China Securities Regulatory Commission, or CSRC, said on 15th September. The Commission noted it seeks to facilitate improved harmonisation and balance between the development of the primary and secondary markets after taking full account of the secondary market's capacity for new listings. The agency stressed that itself and domestic stock exchanges have not suspended the acceptance, review or registration of IPO applications. The CSRC is currently researching and designing an action plan for the capital market to serve the self-reliance and self-improvement of high-level science and technologies in China, according to its statement. The qualified and hardcore technology-equipped companies, including biotechs, will continue enjoying the agency's support for listings on the Shanghai Stock Exchange's star market. In 2019, China opened the Nasdaq-like bourse in an effort to boost public funding for startups focused on innovation and cutting-edge technologies. Subsequently, the agency dismissed market speculation it had raised the bar for IPO applications in terms of the positioning of the Shanghai, Shenzhen and Beijing bourses, IPO and listing requirements, and applicant information disclosure. Prior to the CSRC statement, however, Chinese biotechs had been dealt a blow in the IPO review process. Withdrawals of applications have significantly risen to date this year due to the regulators' mounting concerns over the listing eligibility of unprofitable biotechs. As of 15th September, a total of four pharma companies had withdrawn IPO applications with the star market without providing reasons, according to SSE data. While identifying no specific sectors or applicants, the CSRC commented that the latest withdrawals mainly came from IPO candidates found to have operational sustainability issues, such as unstable ownership or declining revenues. The agency has also declared a zero-tolerance stance on any accounting fraud by IPO candidates and underwriters and vowed more rigorous and harsher punishments for such misconduct. As of 15th September, a total of five drag makers have had their applications for a star market IPO accepted by the Shanghai Stock Exchange, down from seven during the same period in 2022, data from the exchange show. That's all for this week. Thanks so much for listening. And a reminder that the link in the description below will take you to the stories mentioned here, which are just a small part of those published in script last week. Log in to access or sign up for a free trial to see what you're missing. Bye for now.